you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. No telling what God's going to do by Friday night. But tonight we are honored that Bishop White is with us. This is our first time to have him here with us in Frankfurt. It is a great honor to introduce him to come to this pulpit and preach tonight. We want him to open his heart, the Word of God, and preach to us whatever God has said. This pulpit is yours. Ignore the time clock on the back wall and just preach to us tonight. Come on, CLC. Awakening Conference, welcome Bishop Doug White from Silsby, Texas. We love you. Come preach to us. Why don't you give the man of God a good hand? Don't you just love Brother Jordan? I've made up my mind like brother and sister Jordan and that's pretty good because I don't like a lot of people I want everybody to be saved I want everybody to go to heaven there's a lot of people I hope take a different bus that don't mean I don't love them that's reality I have made up my mind to give honor to a pastor his lovely wife so thankful for the hand of God at their world and uh, their family I, I get to meet the other son tonight I've already had to deal with Gentry I told him I have to be very careful how I say this we just had him preach for us here a while back he did a great job he ran one family clean off I'd been trying to get rid of them for a year and couldn't. Dear God in heaven, I love his kind of spirit, but I'm smart enough to know where that spirit comes from with his mother and father. <laughs> 
give honor today to all of the ministry that's in the building. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for taking the time to come to all the saints of the Most High. You are the reason this kind of stuff works. And I'm thankful to be here. I will give you this much. I'm, I am a Texan. I, be, I went from Indiana, came into the church in Indiana, and then went to Texas. I've been pastoring that church for about 36 years. I've learned this much. There's a bunch of lying wonders in Indiana. Rented my car, got out to airport. We got about 10 miles down the road. And I thought, dear God in heaven, it was so hot in that car, it melted my undershirt off. I, so we figured out the only way to make it cooler is to put it on low. And then it comes out like you're sitting in a freezer somewhere. The instant you turned it back on to regular or 61, it, it, you, you'd share a zip code with hell in that car. And then, Indianapolis speed limit said 55. <laughs> y'all know what I'm fixing to say, don't you? See, y'all are discerning the spirit right now. People were passing me like I was sitting still, and I just didn't have the wherewithal to speed up with the rest of them because as sure as God made little green apples, I'd have been the one they stopped. God's good to us. Don't you love what you feel in this house? If you have your Bible, I'm going to the book of Exodus, chapter number 15. Again, give honor to all the ministry, some of mine here tonight, and I love every chance I get to see mine. The Lord has blessed my world with some tremendous preachers, preachers' wives, and blessed. Exodus chapter number 15, Bible said in verse number 20, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances and Miriam answered them sing ye to the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider hath he thrown in to the sea my assignment tonight makes me a little nervous. I preached 306 times last year. I've never learned how to go to a pulpit without having some nerve issues. Anybody that tells you they'll get up and preach and never get nervous, good chance that's the one you don't want in your pulpit. This is my very first time to be with you precious people. I hope it's not my last time. I'm smart enough to know you don't 
myself to a church the way that I'm going to introduce myself tonight to this church. David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've learned a few things about life in that amount of time. Well, Jordan, I was a young preacher when I was in Indiana. Now I'm an old man. Reality is I've seen some stuff, Brother Smith, that I've learned through time. And one of the things that I've learned one of the absolute worst things that's happened to the apostolic movement is that we have acquired the mentality of carnal preachers, carnal churches, carnal mindsets, and we have reached a place that we see preaching as entertainment. Preaching was never meant to be entertainment. What these folks are doing on this platform, singing and playing, was never meant to be entertainment. It was meant to be an encounter. assignment tonight was given to me by God today before I ever boarded the airplane. I've been praying for days. God said, the task I give you is to save the ministry. The task that I'll send you with is to save somebody before tragedy steps into their world. My assignment today is to preach from this song, the ugly part of a beautiful victory. The ugly part of a beautiful victory. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord right now and love him? God bless you. You may be seated. You've never really lived much life, or at the best, you are being selectively dishonest. You haven't already at some point discovered the truth of the scripture that says man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Suffice it to say that all of us in this building tonight, we know what it's like at some point in our existence for our world to be full of trouble. There's not one of us in this building 
who hasn't experienced the tests and the trials that made us feel shaken, made us feel confused, made us feel frustrated. You may sit there tonight like you've got it all together, but at some juncture in our lives, each and every one of us have had battle scars. We have endured emotional fatigue. We have conquered crippling pressures. We've, we've experienced overwhelming frustrations and confusion attacking our minds. Somebody hear me well today and understand that your struggles don't mean that God has forsaken you. A thousand times no. God's word tells us that all of us are going to pass through the fires sometime. The word of God, the eternally settled word of God didn't say if you go through the fire, I'll be with you. He said when you go through the fire, I'll be with you. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever experience the attacks of hell in your world. At some time, the weight of it all is just simply staggering. Every one of us are just human enough that we despise those satanic attacks on our world. I've dealt with real people that had enough real life to know that Nobody likes the trials. Nobody welcomes the heartache. Nobody enjoys the attacks. Nobody is comforted by their struggles. Nobody longs for that kind of pain. Nobody appreciates chaos in their lives. But because of the depth of our dilemmas. We love it when we can finally breathe a sigh of relief when real victory comes rushing back in to our world. Anybody ever had a trial before? There's nothing quite like standing up and brushing the battlefield dirt off of your walk with God, knowing that you've come through all of your fiery trials and now you finally are walking in real victory. Sure, we all know what spiritual battles look like, but I've come today to tell somebody in your darkest hour, don't you ever forget what victory's gonna look like when it gets here. Just let me to declare to this congregation once and for all that when victory shows up, it's a beautiful thing. Somebody shout yes to the leper. Victory was the cleansing. To the blind man, victory was recovering his sight. To the deaf man, victory was hearing the master's voice. To the mute, victory was hearing his own voice. To Jarius, victory was hearing his daughter breathe. To the lame man, victory was running and dancing. To Naaman, victory was new skin. Thank God for our 
wonderful victories. Maybe that's what God was talking about when the Bible said weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's a beautiful joy, ladies and gentlemen. It's beautiful when the morning comes. After all the trials we had to go through, do you know anything about a beautiful victory in the house? Hey, child of God, the fire falling was beautiful to the prophet Elijah when Baal's prophets broke his altar down. The honey in the lion's carcass was beautiful to Samson when he was weary from conquering the Philistines. The manna was beautiful to Israel when their hunger ended. The rain was beautiful to the prophet when the drought was over. And on the same manner, it's beautiful when the doctor says no more cancer. It's beautiful when that backslidden child comes home. It's beautiful when that marriage is put back together. It's beautiful when the pain is finally over. It's beautiful when that job you wanted is put Thank God for our beautiful victories. Surely every living soul at one time or another can identify with the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 57, when it says, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. I've got a sneaky feeling with all the victory your pastor and these others have talked about tonight. I've got a sneaky feeling some of you ought to be a little more thankful than you're showing tonight. If it was your baby having the seizures, you'd be shouting about a beautiful victory. If it was your liver that was healed, you'd be excited about a beautiful victory. Maybe I'm the only one in here that knows what it feels like to be in the heat of the battle and fighting for my very survival. Can you remember the struggle of trying to overcome the attacks of your enemies? Hey, I've been there and you've been there. But you need to know that all of us can testify today that victory is a beautiful thing when the darkness dissipates. Uh, victory's a beautiful thing when the pain perishes. Uh, victory's a beautiful thing when the struggle subsides. Uh, victory's a beautiful thing when the crisis is crushed. Uh, victory's a beautiful thing when the prognosis perishes. We've got to have victory. We've got to we got to have victory. Surely, we all love to bask in the victories of God because the days are brighter when victory comes. 
the fruit is sweeter when victory comes. The peace is deeper when victory comes. Somebody in this building right now, you owe it to God to throw your hands as high as you can. Lift your voice up right now and thank God for the victory. Come on and thank God for the victory. Surely, surely, surely. God deserves our praise for every beautiful victory he gives us. And there are people here right now, as has already been testified various times, that you have been the recipients of amazing victories. Even so, I'll quickly confess to you that I've been sent to this pulpit tonight with a warning from God for somebody in this building to tell you that even in the midst of your greatest victory, there can be an ugly part of the beautiful victory. Look closely with me at Miriam, Moses' sister, for a moment. God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And when he refused, the Bible said that God sent horrific plagues upon Egypt, forcing Pharaoh to loosen his grip on God's people. Watch now as Israel runs rampantly towards the Red Sea. Where are you going, guys? I'm trying to escape 400 years of slavery. I'm trying to outrun 400 years of cruel taskmasters. You talk about a trial. You talk about a terrible thing. And to make matters worse, as they begin to run away, Pharaoh's armies begin to chase them until they stood stranded on the shores of the Red Sea. And just when it seemed like their trial was never going to end, the Bible said uh, that Moses uh, stretched forth his rod over the Red Sea. And according to the word of the Lord, the waters parted hither and thither. Uh, and he turned a soggy ocean bed into a dry road for God's people. And then, just as the last of God's people crawled out the other side of the Red Sea, while Pharaoh's army was pursuing them on that dry ocean floor, the Bible said that God lifted his hands and the waters came crushing in on the armies of the enemy. Victory. What a victory. What a beautiful victory. No more slavery. No more taskmasters. No more hideous mistreatment. But it finally dawned on him what happened. The Bible said Miriam saw that beautiful victory. And her heart was moved to give God thanks. In fact, the Bible tells us that Miriam, the prophetess, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. And they begin to sing, sing ye 
to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Ladies and gentlemen, look at it with me. Look at all of them dancing in the victory. Look at all of them singing in the shadow of this victory. It was victory. It was a beautiful victory. To this day, we still preach about Miriam's song of victory, but sadly, that's just not where the story ends. You see, the Bible tells us that immediately after their beautiful victory, immediately after that victory, the people noticed that when they came up on the other side of the Red Sea, it says that the water there was bitter. Hang on now. Guys, don't panic. Wait a minute. There's no need to panic. If God can part a Red Sea, God can give you water to drink. If God can kill the entire army, God can supply water for your people. Beautiful victory. But standing there in the light of that beautiful victory, something found its way into Miriam's heart and the hearts of everybody around them. And the frightening truth is the Bible tells us just two verses later, three short days after wearing herself out, singing about victory's song, Miriam and the people murmured against Moses. And in fact, she allowed herself to be driven by such an ungodly influence that just a little over a month later, after her beautiful victory, she had fallen to such a wretched spiritual state that she stood in the door of the temple challenging God's man Moses so vilely that God had to smite her with leprosy. My question to you is simply, How do you go from victory that rocks your world to standing up and challenging man of God? How, how can she go from dancing in the afterglow of her victory to being influenced by such a vile spirit of rebellion? How could she tumble so sinfully low that in just two verses she could go from being the worship leader, singing a beautiful victory song, to attacking a man of God without one ounce of the fear of God in her How? The answer to that question reveals the ugly part of a beautiful victory. You see, in the heat of her struggle when the trial was raging on every hand, she was reaching for God with everything inside of her. And without a doubt, just like each one of us, her trial made her run towards God. Her battle made her seek God's face. Her pain made her consistently pray. Her adversity made her stay humble. Her confusion made her stay vigilant. Her attacks made her lean on. We've all been there. All of us have been in that situation where we had to refocus on the things of God if we were even going to survive. 
but the reality of life is that there can be an ugly part of any beautiful victory. And it's that after the victory has come, some people breathe a sigh of relief and immediately they let down their guard until suddenly you cease running towards God. You stop seeking God's face. You quietly, consistently fail to pray. You don't intentionally stay humble. You ignore any vigilance. You abandon leaning on God. And the ugly part of our beautiful victory is that if we are not careful, we'll stop being spiritually diligent and we'll lower our guard to the point that unholy influences are rushing in. Unholy influences are rushing to fill the voids left by your sudden lack of prayer, your sudden lack of faithfulness, your sudden lack of diligence to the things of God. It is the ugly part of our beautiful victories that sometimes after the trial is over, we can become much more spiritually damaged by lowering our car than we were blessed by the victory that God gave us. I have no further to go than scriptures and stories that I've already mentioned to you tonight to prove what I've come to preach. You'll remember that I've told you about the beautiful victories found throughout the Bible. But maybe you need to realize the fire falling on Mount Carmel was a beautiful victory to the prophet Elijah. But within verses, he let down his guard. And we find him hiding in a cave, fighting fear, depression, and suicide. It is the ugly part of a beautiful victory. The honey and the lion's carcass was a beautiful victory for Samson. But in short order, he lowered his guard. And he ended up going to a prostitute in the valley of Sarret. It's the ugly part of a beautiful victory. The manna was a beautiful victory to Israel. But just a short while later when they lowered their card and quit talking to God, they said, I want to go back to Egypt. It's the ugly part of a beautiful victory. And the sad part is my Holy Ghost won't leave me alone in this pulpit tonight. There are some of you that sit here with beautiful victories that have exploded all over your world. There are some of you that God, I feel the spirit of prophecy in this house right now. There are some of you, God sets in the wings ready to give you that great victory that you've asked God to give you. But tonight, God sent a man to tell you when God gives you a beautiful victory, you better keep praying. You better keep seeking him. You better stay tender. no different today. That's why I've seen people seek the favor of God about court cases and potential prison sentences they created before they came to God and then God comes out of left field, 
gives them a beautiful victory. Their charges are dropped. And within weeks, they let down their spiritual guard. And they start toying with sin. Given time, their situation is worse than it was before. All because after a beautiful victory, they carelessly quit seeking God's faith. It is the ugly part of a beautiful victory. I'm seeing with my eyes a family desperately seeking God for their dying baby's healing. Doctors that said she's going to die if she can't live. And in God's mercy, God gave them a beautiful victory by healing that baby. And suddenly they were no longer desperate for God's attention and they lowered their guard to the point they took that same child away from God's church and into some hellhole of sinful vices that have already started swallowing that baby up. How did it happen, Brother White? It is the ugly part of a beautiful victory. I've seen even recently somebody begging me, Bishop, pray. I need that job. I got to have that job, Brother White. It would help me so much. It would ease the way. I'd be able to be at church more. Brother White, I want you to pray, and we fervently prayed for a better job. But when that, that, that beautiful victory came, and that job was theirs. They let their card down and put God so far on the back shelf that they don't even come to church now. Suddenly, it's not their financial situation anymore. It's their spiritual situation that's in trouble. It is the ugly part of a beautiful victory. I've seen people seek God as long as their family's in jeopardy. But then they let down their guard and become careless after their beautiful victory comes. And it's not long until they're making horrendous mistakes that are worse than the trial they had us pray victory over to begin with. It's the ugly part of a beautiful victory. They both came to church. The family was in our church. She was the spiritually stable one who kept that family covered with prayer. He, on the other hand, was anything but spiritually minded, and he created massive problems for their family. Untold times, I'd get calls in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, from that precious lady, Bishop, would you go to prayer? I've done everything I know to do. He's at it again. Would you pray, Bishop? I had to pray over some careless crisis that his carnality had hurled upon their home. I watched her pray and try to lead her child in the ways of God, despite a husband that had a tendency to be a hypocrite and sin with no problem. She held on. And I've got to be honest with you, frankly, I was amazed at how she could pray in spite of his antics, how she could worship in spite of his chaos, how she could stay faithful to God in spite of his unfaithfulness. I vividly remember the day, Brother Gentry Jordan, that I walked into a wrecked house torn to shreds by that husband's violent temper. I walked in and I found myself in an impossible situation. 
through one door, standing in the living room, looking that direction. I could see her in the bedroom trying to throw clothes in a, in a Walmart sack so her and the baby could get out of there. On the other side sits the husband with a gun to his head, ready to pull the trigger. Ladies and gentlemen, there was no easy answer. Let me just say something for all of you in the building that say, I just don't know why being a pastor's all that hard. You've never had to stand in that position. You've never had to love people that couldn't even love themselves. Hell had set up shop in your world. Frustration was killing her and spirits of suicide were trying to kill him. And there I stood pleading with them both, guys, we got to pray. We got to take this family back to prayer. Let's run back to God. All you need is a little victory. You've got to push till we get some real victory in this family. You've got to go beyond the chaos. You need victory. And to my amazement, after some time, Walked over to where he was at, gun still pointed to his head. Slipped my hand out, took the gun, the pistol, with my hand covering the, the hammer so that he couldn't pull the thing. And, and I took the gun away from him. And she finally broke down beside the bed in the bedroom, weeping and crying. The baby losing its mind just knowing that chaos had filled the house. Nobody really understood when they're a baby, that kind of nonsense. But I told them, we've got to pray. And when I talked to them for a few minutes, we begin to pray. We begin to seek the face of God. Brother Kanata, we prayed until all of a sudden in that place where chaos reigned, I felt something begin to flow in that house. I felt the Holy Ghost begin to flow around my legs like I was standing in a river. God stepped up and God brought victory. Oh, the victory. It was a beautiful victory. For a year, their home was a place of peace. It was a beautiful victory. For a year, their marriage was perfect. It was a beautiful victory. For a year, their hearts were finally happy. It was a beautiful victory. But that beautiful victory only lasted a year until the ugly part of a beautiful victory was revealed because God had given this wonderfully faithful woman the victory she so desperately had prayed for. But now, just a few minutes later, a few months down the road, she lowered her spiritual guard so far that she plunged headlong into adultery and destroyed that family forever. Wouldn't have given you a nickel for his salvation if she had been strong. I wouldn't have given you the spit out the corner of a preacher's mouth if that man would ever change. But she was the one that was locked in and faithful. Something changed when she wasn't driven to prayer every morning. Something changed when she didn't have to hold her little baby's ears as he was cussing after the food. 
something changed. She prayed and God had answered. She sought God and God showed up. She pursued God's touch and it came. It was a beautiful victory, but she fell victim to the ugly part of a beautiful victory. Now, nothing's driving her to pray. Nothing's making her beg for God's touch. Nothing's pushing her to pass. She's lowered her spiritual guard. And unholy things comes rushing in to fill those spiritual voids that she now had in her life. It is the ugly part of a beautiful victory. You listening to me today? The Bible tells us how God gave Gideon victory over his horrendous trial. Gideon had totally defeated the Midianites who had tormented his world so harshly. He, he, he couldn't even feed his family. He was hiding from the Midianites to get just enough grain to feed his family. But God gave him victory. It was victory. It was a beautiful victory. But don't forget, just a few verses after the victory came, the Bible tells us that Gideon took the spoils of war for himself. And the commandment of God was that the spoils of war was to go to the house of God. The Bible said that Gideon made himself a golden ephod. Mere verses after a beautiful victory, Gideon lowered his guard and felt justified in disobeying God's command. And the Bible said Gideon made an ephod of the spoils of war. And this thing became a snare. It stopped. Rest assured that God is good. I need somebody to hear me. God gave you your victory. God picked you up when you said you couldn't make it. Hey, I know what it's like to feel victory. I'm 62 years old now, but I feel better than I did when I was 35 years old. We went through a bad building program. Took five years. The insurance company ripped us off of a quarter million dollars. We had a contractor that ripped us off the lawyer's say of somewhere around $300,000. And when I worked demons showing up in my house every night, I was there fighting congestive heart failure, blood sugar issues that were over 600 all the time. Finally, I got all the financing done. I was so happy, brother. I breathed a sigh of relief, went to the doctor the next day for a checkup. The doctor looked at me and started weeping. He said, Pastor, I don't know a nice way to tell you this, but you've got six months to live. You're going to die. We can't fix you. There's nothing we can do to fix you. But here I stand tonight after all these years. It's victory. It's victory. We've got a beautiful church. We got a booming congregation. We've almost doubled in the last two years. God's a great God. He's a beautiful God. He gives you beautiful. But just because God delivers you doesn't mean that you can make God inferior element in your life.
nothing wrong with God's solution. It's a beautiful victory. But the other ugly part of a beautiful victory is that you can lose your spiritual diligence. You can lay down your prayer life. You can ignore your need for faithfulness. You can cease pursuing God's favor. God was good enough to give. Are you listening to me now? I told you this is not the way that I'd like to be introduced, but this is what God has sent me with. God was good enough to give you the victory. You better be careful that you're not damaged more by lowering your card than you were blessed by your victory. It is the ugly part. accident took his precious wife away, lost her at birth. Instantly, he was plunged into a vicious trial one that he never asked to be in. He tried to fight his way through that trial all by himself. He was incapable of having children. They had none. So now this man who went from having a lovely wife with a beautiful spirit had nothing, had nothing, had nothing. And I watched him fight his way through the trial for the next two, three, four years. And after dealing with all of his pain, he told me one day, Brother White, I feel like God said it's time to start praying for victory in my world. So he was praying. He was faithful in every way. He was diligent with his prayer life. He sincerely pursued the will of God. He passionately served God. Anything he could do around the church is exactly what he was going to do. And eventually, he must, he must have been more tapped in than I was, Brother Smith, because he come to me and he said, I've started praying for the perfect spouse. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with mine. I like just going to tell you, I ain't going to look for no other perfect woman. He even told me what particulars he wanted. <laughs> he told me what color hair he wanted her to have. He told me that he wanted it to be somebody that had a baby but had never been married. He told me the physical features that he wanted her to have. I want her skinny as a rail. That's what he said, the perfect one. He went right down the line. He told me everything that he wanted. And I looked at him and thought, the delirium has finally taken over. He's lost his mind. On and on he'd go every service. He'd come back and he'd tell me, I mean, dumb stuff like the size of her feet. I wanted to wear a size seven shoe. On and on and on. Till one day, Bishop, I need victory. And he began to pray and constantly tell him that God was going to give him the victory. He wants everything he wanted in a bride until one day he come to me and said, Brother White, I met a woman. 
really want you to pray for some direction. So because Pastor Jared and my faith wavered a little bit, so what colors your hair? Does she built like it exactly how you want it? Does she have it? Yeah, she's got a baby and she's never been married in heart and life. Everything this man, to our amazement, every single trait he prayed for in his spouse was answered in a picture-perfect fashion. When I tell you, it was a beautiful victory in every sense of the word. His victory was so perfect that he soon had a wife that possessed every trait he had prayed for. It was a beautiful victory. He had an income that provided everything that family could need. It was a beautiful victory. He had the fulfillment that allowed him to work for God with the schedule he'd always wanted. It was a beautiful victory. Literally everything this man had prayed for had come to pass. And the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T, it was a picture perfect victory. It was a beautiful victory. But then to my horror, within a short time, in a good church with a happy home leading a precious family with a great career something changed in his spirit and there in the shadow of his beautiful victory he lowered his guard after all there's no need to pray like I used to I got my victory No need to be faithful like I used to be. I, I've got my victory. Why should I be diligent about working for God anymore? I've already got my victory. But the real problem arose when perverse spirits begin to rush into those doors. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a reason the Bible tells you to be full of the Holy Ghost. He started leaving those words in his spirit. Those perverse spirits began to rush in where prayer and faithfulness once sought victory. And he lowered his guard so far that he fell into such perverse sins that he lost everything that he had. He ended up in a maximum security prison after hearing a judge tell him, if I have my way, you'll never see the daylight free again in all of your existence. How? 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 How did he travel so quickly from a beautiful victory to a life forever marred by raping his own child? Look over here. The passion you had when your church was going through hell had dissipated because now the church is really on hell. It's the ugly part. 
for victory. And you don't need to press for that victory anymore. You're saying, Pastor, put nothing short of your soldier. When you've attained the victory, you you sometimes try stop trying to stay close to God. When your vicious trial is finally washed away by a beautiful victory, you sometimes feel no need to keep your righteousness strong. It is the ugly part. Lift your hands, lift your heart to the Lord right now. I've come to salvage a ministry in this building that's gotten careless. Hey, 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 hey. I've come to pick up a preacher tonight that's gone through hell and you've come out and now it's not as important as it used to be. I've come to deal with that saint that was healed that family that was put back together. I've come to deal with that individual that had that job and put God on the back. I've come to preach to you. Why don't you stand with me right now? First Chronicles tells the story of a man named Uzziah. Bible said that he faithfully served the Lord for 52 years. Faithful. 52. Diligent. 52 years. For 52 years, the Bible said Uzziah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he accomplished many things to benefit God's people. That's not to say there weren't trials, however. In fact, the greatest trial was the need to battle God's foreign enemies, the Philistines and the Arabians. The battle was so vicious and the struggles were so overwhelming that Uzziah desperately needed God to bring victory to their dire situation. Oh, but he's a great God. And he gave Uzziah a great victory over the adversaries of his. It was a great, beautiful victory. But it was immediately after his victory that something happened to the heart of Uzziah. The Bible deals with it very plainly. It said when he was strong, Uzziah's heart was lifted up unto destruction. As long as he was fighting battles, he was strong. As long as he had to deal with battles, he was strong. I am convinced reason some people in my church never get the victory they pray for because God looks at them and says if I did I'd be 
are people in this building right now. If God gave you exactly what you wanted, you wouldn't last a month because it would affect you. And God would become non-essential in your life. But it was after his victory that something happened in the heart of Uzziah. And the Bible said when he was strong, he was lifted up to his own destruction. Uzziah changed and now godly things that he had once protected, he now disrespected. Men of God that he had once cherished, he now ignored. Righteous principles that he once valued, he now neglected. It's the ugly part. A beautiful victory. He lowered his guard so far that he would take up his own censer and try to make his own sacrifices. And knowing that it was contrary to God's laws, Uzziah decided he was going to do it his way. And the Bible said 40 preachers stood up and tried to resist him. But even 40 preachers couldn't move him to get right with God again. Is it any wonder that we've got people that sit in our congregations, preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher, Pastor, reach for them. Forty preachers withstood him. He got mad. When Forty preachers couldn't shake him. God said, back up, I'll do it. The Bible said that God smote him with leprosy on his forehead. Wait a minute. Why would God, matter of fact, he smote Miriam with leprosy. What's the deal with smiting people with these afflictions? The answer is very simple. God was saying, if nothing else gets his attention, I'll give him another need so bad that he has to be spiritually diligent again. I'll put him in such a drastic position that painful trials will drive him to pursue victory again. I'll smite her with leprosy so thoroughly going to want to run back to my presence. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the ugly part. It's the beautiful victory. Stay close to God. Bubba, I heard him talk about you when he started the service. Looks to me like God's doing something beautiful in your life. Because if God has to, he'll give you another affliction that'll turn you back to a prayer room. Somebody in here needs to pray tonight. You may not have a single solitary sin in your world, but I bet you got some victories in your world. I challenge you, find a place. Even if you can't kneel, find a place to stand around the front of this altar and telling God, you've been too good to me. 
Don't let me lower my guard, God. Don't let me cast it aside, Jesus. church ain't in crisis no more. Come on, ma'am, your family's not in crisis anymore. Pray, pray. God, I can't afford to let my guard down. I challenge you tonight, take a good look at your world. Take a good look at your world. Am I praying like I was when I needed victory? Am I witnessing like I was before God answered my prayer? so drawn for ministers ministers wives Says, that's it. I'm not going back. I'm not backing up. baby get close to him tonight come on darling you're sincere get close to him now 